What's up, everyone? Glad to see we have a few people already on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get a few more. I know Mike just shared it out to uh, to some other some other folks on the uh, North Nation fan page. Larry, Mike, how y'all feeling? I'm a little depressed. I'm watching all these other teams still playing in their conference tournaments, and I'll be quite honest, I'm a little depressed. But um, I'm looking forward to next year. I mean, it was it was a great season overall, given all the uncertainty at the beginning of the season and um, some of the obstacles that we faced during the season and knowing what we've got coming back and what we've got coming in. You know, I think I've posted on a number of social media sites that the future is definitely bright for the Norse and um, I'm excited about what's to come. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Larry? Man, I, I didn't think we'd be sitting here talking about how, uh, we're moving on to next season already. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel real quite yet, but I've already uh, gone through the grieving process. I've already made amends with myself and the things that I thought and said. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's uh, all we can do is move forward and uh, you know, we're, we're either there or we're not. So here I am, let's move forward and see what we have moving forward. Yeah, for sure. No, it's funny. You say, you say that Larry, that we all kind of had to grieve. Um, we, the original plan was we wanted to do a live show on Tuesday, win or lose. You know, the idea being that Monday night was going to be super late. And God, thank God we decided, like, thank God we shot you down on that, Larry. Um, yeah. You were on the you were the one wanting to go live on Monday night. And uh, it, as it turns out, even Tuesday would have been too soon. Uh, would yeah. have given us just about 24 hours to, you know, <laughs> settle. But I mean, hell, dude, my phone was going off all day Tuesday. I don't think it was till Wednesday that I got a message from one of you two that was like, I'm finally good now. Like, I finally, was it you? That was Larry. Yeah. That was Larry. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. But, you know, I think I think that's the thing about being, being a fan. And as much as we try to be objective and cover this team, you know, as fairly as possible it's we're still fans you know uh and it's impossible to completely separate emotion from the whole thing um and uh you know i think given the the i think given the circumstances it definitely helped tamper down some of my hostility towards the team but uh or not towards the team but towards the way things ended you know but um it just became a more easy. I think it, it made it become more easy to rationalize uh, the fact that our season's over. It you know we're so young, COVID, all that kind of stuff. I'm ready to move on, but I know that we're gonna we want to spend some time talking a little bit about like you know thematically, like some of the things that we saw this year, some of the things that we're really excited about, and possibly some of the things that uh, have us still kind of laying awake at night. So. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think a good place to start. Uh, and for, by the way, for those of you guys watching right now, looks like we got nine, nine people on, uh, feel free to drop, drop a comment. Um, we already got one, Mike, uh, Danny rest rasp says that you're, I'm assuming it's for you. You're the number one stadium usher in the NCAA. So <laughs> there you go. Woohoo! That's mad props <laughs> right there. Thank you for that. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah. So guys, we don't, just so you guys all know, those of you watching, we don't really have a firm agenda. We do want to talk a little bit about the the game on Tuesday or on Monday. Um, 
And uh, I mean, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the championship game on Tuesday. It was pretty ugly as well. Uh, but I think we also wanted to maybe get into some of the stuff we saw this season. Um, and then also, the, I think we want to leave it on a positive note, or at least it's positive for me. And we want to kind of uh, put, put our eyes forward a little bit towards next year. So if you guys have any comments, suggestions, anything, I'll make sure that we take some regular breaks in between, uh, you know, the three of us blowharding on this, on this live stream uh, to, to, to read out your comments and answer your questions. So um, with that, let's just, let's just jump right into it. Monday night, uh, describe it to me in one word and tell me why, Mike. Put you on the spot, by the way. No, you're fine. <laughs> Disapp- I guess my, my one word is disappointing. Um, I think with all the lead up from our uh, lead in show that day, um, I I think our expectations were much higher than maybe what we saw uh, happen on the floor that night. And um, I was just really, I was just disappointed in maybe the way that we came out, um, the way that we reacted or didn't react. And um, I've got to give kudos to, um, the campy from Oakland. I think he came in with an excellent game plan. Um, he stuck to it and they definitely uh, went worked through and did everything that was expected of them. Um, they got us out of our game. Um, they really put a lot of pressure on one of our main scores in Marquez and more or less took him out of the game. Um, that was certainly um, not one of his best ones, but um, you know, that was all due to the defense. I think, you know, he was getting, uh, very limited open shots. And, um, you know, and looking at the box score that night, I think I made a notation here that um, we only had a total of four bench points that night, guys, four bench points. Every point that we scored was our starting five and then four points from David Bam. Outside of that, anybody else that stepped foot on that floor that night, we didn't get anything from. And I think we had mentioned that in our lead up show that we needed everybody and anybody that, that, that played that contributed in some form or fashion. And unfortunately um, we didn't see that, but um, you know, Trayvon did what Trayvon does that night, you know, he put us on his shoulders and gosh, if not for him, I, you know, who knows what the score would have been. Um, Bryson Langdon continued to do Bryson things. Um, And I'll say, and I'll put it out there for maybe some things, you know, Kyle, what you said, things that we saw during the course of the year. Um, Hopefully we all agree is just the growth of Bryson Langdon. I think from the beginning of the season till the end of the season, what we saw from him um, is just remarkable. I think, you know, early on, you know, it was just kind of maybe status quo, but by the end of the year, you know, he was putting us on his, you know, five foot nine frame and, um, you know, making some big shots and in big moments and key moments. And, um, you know, I was very impressed with, with what he was able to bring to the table for us this year, especially, you know, down the, um, down the end of the line. But um, yeah, I'm just, I was disappointed. I think what maybe led or added to that disappointment was the following night in the championship game to see Oakland just not be able to muster much of a fight in the second half. And for it to end the way it did, I think I maybe would have handled it better had Oakland won, or maybe it was a much closer game. Um, but, you know, you have to give Cleveland State credit. They're, they're on a roll. They've got um, 
some some guys that can just flat out ball and you know that was evident in the Tuesday night game but um yeah that's that's pretty much all I've got from 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 Monday you know Larry what do you what what are your takeaways if if I had to to describe the game in one word I think uh confused would probably be the word that that comes to mind uh, the reason being is I think we got a really, really good idea from the Detroit game, what we had in terms of uh, potential moving forward in the postseason, as far as getting the most out of your, your three, four or five players, um, you know, as far as your starters and, and what you have in your backups. I think we learned about what we could lean on further into the tournament. I, I think we had a pretty good idea by then what we were going to have at our disposal in the next game. Uh, the way Horn managed the minutes against Detroit, I thought was borderline brilliant. Uh, I feel like he used the right people at the right time and got exactly what he needed out of them. Flipped the script to the next game, and it didn't feel, and I know this is going to sound harsh to anybody hearing this, it doesn't appear that we had any plan whatsoever going into the game between the player rotations, the personnel movement, um, the minutes given to certain players, uh, just looking at what we did against Detroit and then what we did against Oakland, it was like a tale of two cities. It's almost like we didn't even pay any homage to what got us there. Um, I, I don't want to call out individual players because that's that's not what this show is going to be about tonight. But, but to see some of the... You. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I, I don't want to call it mismanagement of personnel, but when you look at players that had a big impact in the win against Detroit and then players that, that struggled to have an Im impact and maybe even hurt the team's chances of beating Detroit, um, it, it just feels like there was no acknowledgement of what got us to the Oakland game in the, in the beginning, you know, in the process. Um it, it was a real, real tough game to swallow. I, I feel like there was just – it didn't appear that there was any real game planning. I know Campy can be, can be you know, a, can be a basketball genius at times, a bit of a savant when it comes to basketball. There's a reason why he's been, you know, been at Oakland for 30, what, 37 years, whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, I think we got, we, we got uh, profoundly outcoached. I mean, if you look at their game plan for us, our game plan for them, I'm not sure that that comes down to one or two individual players. I think it comes down to a scheme or a strategy going into the game that's devised by somebody above the players, you know, the players level. So it's not me calling out our coaches per se. It's me saying um, in this game on that day, we, we got our bells rung by a team that had a much better plan coming in. Now, Fast forward to when Oakland played Cleveland State. Cleveland State did to Oakland what Oakland did to us. So it kind of felt funny looking at the box score, looking at clips of the game and looking at things here and there. And, um, you know, we went out and we chucked 33 pointers against Oakland and couldn't break 60 points in the game. Oakland turned around, did the same thing against Cleveland State. They went out and shot, I think, 38 threes and couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and, uh, Cleveland packed it in, made him shoot from the outside, and uh, they beat him to pieces. And that's exactly what Oakland did to us. So it's kind of funny to see Cleveland State do exactly what Oakland did to us, to 
Oakland. I would like to have seen a better game. Uh, I think Oakland would have been a, a, a bigger feel good story, mm-hmm. you know, as far as winning the, the conference tournament, but you know, I'm not mad at Cleveland state. I mean, it goes to show you the kind of parody that I think we sometimes have in the horizon league between NKU, Cleveland state, Wright state, Oakland, um, I mean, that, that's at least four teams, uh, about a quarter of the conference that could easily have been the champions of this tournament, you know. So I think that speaks volumes of at least the, you know, across the board competitiveness we, we might have. Hey, Larry, yeah. just to build, I'm sorry, Kyle, uh, Larry, building on what you said in terms of, um, I guess, the game plan and everything, I, I, I firmly agree. I think Again, I'll, I'll leverage my my word from from my first segment with being disappointed. I think I was most disappointed in just the lack of adjustments. I mean, we were down five at half, and I thought, you know what, we're going to go into halftime. We're going to make the necessary adjustments. We're going to come out. It's going to be an entirely different second half. And some of those adjustments were nowhere to be seen. I mean, think about it. During that game, how many times – from the defensive scheme, did we allow Oakland to catch the ball at the Horizon League logo or in yeah. for easy two-point shots? And if you look at it, I actually went back maybe in in it was maybe my dealing with the loss. I actually rewatched the game Tuesday. I let you guys know. And again, I you know I guess I was a glutton for punishment, but I watched it and it was a game of it was it was two different teams out there from the defensive standpoint. We were allowing those easy shots from the foul line in where we weren't pushing them out at at all and if you looked at Oakland on the other end they were running the same exact defense that we were running however whenever that ball rotated around the arc or to any other person they had two people and it wasn't necessarily a trap but it had two people guarding one player but then as soon as that ball was rotated back to the other side that other side of the defense knew to rotate and there wasn't any guys wide open. So, I mean, they were moving great that night, whereas we were losing people. So if our defense shifted over to one side, they were passing over us, or by the time they did get it around, we weren't making up for, you know, overplaying, and we were kind of allowing open shots. But the lack of adjustments, I think, you know, the build on what you said, Larry, was probably disappointing the most to me just because I didn't think that we changed anything coming out in the second half. I think we just continued to do what we were doing and treaded water as long as we could until Oakland just started to continue to build on their lead. And speaking of the lead, I mean, we, we lost by 11 to a team that missed 16 free throws. Exactly. Now, if you just kind of put those crunch, those numbers together, Oakland is, is a good free throw shooting team. Um, If they hit, three quarters of those free throws, it, it's a 20, it's easily a 20 point loss. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the belief that we struggled because we didn't play them because they didn't play us. So it's, you know, and I hear some of those things in the press conference after the fact and, and think to myself, well, I think we're all, it's a level playing field. We're all dealing with the same garbage out there. And it's a matter yeah, Horn, of Horn addressed that yeah. one of the, one of the reporters asked him, did you, uh, did you struggle or do you think not playing them caused you to struggle? And he said, well, no, they didn't play us. Like he said that, yeah. but yeah. Larry, if you don't mind, I want to jump back to one of the points you made about like how it felt like there was no game plan or whatever. I look, I agree with you that like, maybe it, it, it felt like that. 
obviously I trust Horn. I think we all three do pretty well. Like we know there was a game plan uh, going into the game. I would be more interested to know like what it was and what it was about it that failed. Like that's because I think, I think we would all acknowledge even coach Horn in this most honest moment would say, yeah, what I thought was going to work didn't work. But like it, for me, it's not like, I just, I brought that up because uh, Jonathan uh, here asked if, uh, if we think that maybe the coaches were thinking about Cleveland instead of Oakland. And I don't think that's even possible. I, I, I really don't like, and the reason I say that is because I actually asked, and this is not, I didn't ask Darren Horn because I had other questions to ask him, but I, I actually asked Greg Campy, my follow-up question to Greg Campy on the, um, on the, in the press conference was, can you walk us through from a, you know, just so fans understand, we don't get to see the back end stuff. We don't understand how the process works. Can you just walk us through how a tournament setting like this works um, going into a back-to-back? Like you guys are going to play NKU. You have six days to prepare for NKU. Do you have two assistant coaches scouting each team that's playing in the opposite game? Um, or do you guys just say, nah, hell with that, all eggs in one basket, we're going in, we're going to beat NKU, and then we'll focus on whoever the winner is, and we'll just crash course it at night and in the morning. And he answered me kind of exactly what I thought he would say. I mean, he he said no. It was 100% we got to beat NKU. That's right. it. Because like right. we're not going to waste a second watching the other teams play because if we, God forbid, like if we lose Monday, that's that's time we will never have gotten back, basically. And he also made the comment that, like, we're the team to beat. We've won uh, three of the last four of those things. Um, and so, like, we're the team that they need to come for, basically. And so, uh, look, I, it's, they're not the same coach. It's not the same person. But I just want to say that I really don't think that's the case. I think that they had a game plan. It didn't work very well. Uh, one of their players that had to play well, Marquez Warwick, had probably the worst game of his season. And, I mean – as much as Trayvon wanted to keep them, keep us in it, like something happened. I mean, something happened to where we just were not making shots. And I completely agree with you, Michael, as disappointed as I am on the offensive end, that was probably the worst defensive performance I've seen the back end of the defense <laughs> do what? I said, I said probably ever from this team, at least this season, we couldn't get any, I mean, it's really crazy. Like we needed a, a couple of stops in the second half down the stretch just to like have a chance and we come down we hit a three and it's like oh my god if we can get a stop and then score maybe one more stop after that and then score like we're right back in this couple possessions whatever it watching that game uh i felt a level of disappointment that i hadn't felt this season since the cleveland state game the first game um whatever cleveland state was doing to us in that first game um that really frustrated and made it difficult on us Oakland was able to tap into some of that and replicate it and I think it what it mostly came down to was they were basically like look this team will shoot a lot of threes if you let them and that can be their biggest curse like we shoot some of the most threes in the country Mm -hmm. and we don't make them at a high enough clip for us to be successful relying only on that so um well, Kyle, here's here's my uh, here's my thought, and and I think it's I think you make great points about how uh, you know we we surely came in with a plan. There's no way in the world a Division One coach came into yeah. a tournament game with no plan. 
I think the bigger question, this might be something for Jonathan uh, to think about also, is um, I'm more interested to know what our contingency plan would have been if, you know, like if we almost had an algorithm going into the game, like, okay, we're going to go in with this plan, but if it doesn't work, we're going to immediately switch to this, whatever. I know your plan can flex within the confines of the game, but I really think that coaches go in with a secondary and, and tertiary idea of what they want to do if their primary focus is just, you know, crumbling. So I'd be just as curious to know, like, okay, what was your next go-to? Because we went out and shot 33s. We shot 23% from the three-point line. And uh, and we're already not a good three-point. You know, we're a 30%, 31% three-point shooting team to begin with. And when the announcers, and I know Michael and I were talking about this during the game, the announcer actually called us out in the middle of the game and said, you know, watching this NKU team go down possession after possession and shoot threes is like watching somebody beat their head against a wall. <laughs> I mean, they were so blunt in their, their criticism of us just being what seemingly unwilling to make any change, despite the fact that the course of the game was not swinging in our direction in any way, shape or form. So I thought that was just kind of an interesting observation. I didn't think the announcers were very good, but, uh, but it was funny to actually hear them say it live during a game such a such a you know brusque observation yeah i think one of the discouraging things though too from an offensive standpoint guys was yeah we were being pushed out further than we were maybe normally accustomed to starting our offenses in past games but how many times did we communicate during games during the season when we were you know on messenger texting with each other during the games where we were falling into that trap of just being reliant on three pointers. And we would always say, drive the ball, drive the ball. And there'd be like two, three times down the floor where we would drive and dump or drive and score. And it was like, it's not rocket science. And I think that was maybe another lack of an adjustment where we just didn't come out of that reliance on the three and we quit driving the ball because those times that we did that night, we scored. I mean, and it maybe wasn't regularly, but it was enough to keep us in the game. It was when we started just shucking them up from behind the arc that we kind of really, really got away from the game plan. And so to your point, Larry, that to me would have been a a form of a contingency plan, at least from the offensive end, to say, okay, guys, if we're not hitting it from behind the arc, we're going to have to drive the ball and dump and make that defense collapse. And maybe it opened it up for us for threes and hope we hit them later. But not just be one dimensional. And I think we became one dimensional uh, a lot quicker than maybe we should have that night. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. I actually just realized guys, I didn't give my, my one word. So um, what's your one word? <laughs> yeah. I got to describe the game in one word and I never gave it. So I'm going to well, say well, frustrated or frustrating um, that I, which I think that kind of goes along the theme of what we're all saying, right? I just kind of had to pick one of the synonyms of what you guys were saying, basically. <laughs> um, I mean, that's literally what it comes down to. Uh, so a couple comments here that I, I didn't get to during that segment. Um, Mark, uh, Mark, you're gonna have to, uh, help me out here. I think it's Sutfin. Sutfin. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. He said, uh, took a while here to talking about to get over the loss. Took a while here too. We've been so used to success in postseason. This one stung a bit. Yeah, Mark, uh, I had a phrase. I said it on the pregame, but I've been having a phrase uh, mostly on Twitter all season. Um, 
but uh, I said that one team's going to hang a banner and 11 teams are going to hang an asterisk. Um, and that's kind of what I've been using to make this not feel as crappy. Like let's just adopt the mentality that these players all get an extra year of eligibility. They're not for the most part that we know of yet going anywhere. Um, unless you're green Bay, unless you're green Bay where they've already lost eight, eight players. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, and, and we get them all back. I mean, we're still ideally going to get guys for four years, three years, you know, the remainder of their time plus plus one, basically, hopefully. So uh, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it is like, think of this as like an extended preseason. Um, you know, I don't even want to count it at all as a, as a statistical season because it breaks our 20, 20 plus win streak. So um, but then, of course, I do want to count it because Marquez Warwick won freshman of the year. So right. trade off um, a couple just a couple other people chiming in about uh, Mark chimed in a lot, actually, about um, how we didn't adjust uh, stuff like that. He did also mention that um, Nelson was hobbled 60 percent at best. Uh, Mark, that's an awesome point. Nelson probably had one of the worst offensive games um, at least I've seen from him in a while efficiency wise. I don't even, I'm not even looking at what his total points were right now, but I just remember specifically like four or five times where he'd get a rebound and like not be able to put it back up or whatever. So. Um, hey yeah, Kyle, that, not to interrupt, not to interrupt you Kyle and the, the build on that. How many times, I mean, when Nelson did have good games statistically from the offensive end, those were games that we drove the ball. Because he was always our well, dump off option. So yeah. if Trayvon uh, drove or Marquez drove or Langdon drove, you know, he was there for a, a an easy uh, dump off or even a rebound maybe off of a missed shot, you know. So that kind of goes to show how much we were relying on that three-point. But, you know, even with Adrian, you know, being hobbled, he finished with 14 rebounds that game. I mean, he came in. I think yeah, we all kind of gasped on our on our text messages to the, each other that night. We were like, "Uh oh, you know, if he's gone for the game, we are." But for him to come back and continue to rebound at a high rate, that was—I don't expect anything different from him. He's just, you know, he's beast mode. You know, we use that term all year, but he was beast mode. Um, but I think that's why maybe for that game offensively, we didn't see him as maybe. Um, as good as he normally is, it's just because there wasn't anything for him to get. And I think to Oakland's defense, the way that they were collapsing, when he would get an offensive rebound, they were right there. And so it wasn't an easy putback for him. But um, yeah, I, again, I, I keep going back to the game plan from Oakland. I just think it was, if I had to give it, I would give it uh, an A plus just because it worked so well and yeah, you know, not to keep, I just, yeah, not it to just, keep, it, it just took us out of our flow. Yeah. Not, not to keep dwelling on what Greg Campy said, cause I promise this guy's an awesome guy, but he didn't hang the moon. Um, but with that said, he, he made a really good point in the post game as well. He said, as long as I've been a coach, I can't remember the last time that like we won a game specifically like only because of our defense. Um, so yeah, no, that's a really good point, Mike. Um, I don't, I don't think that, uh, we need to soon forget that, um, these zone defenses can be really difficult and some of the best strategic ways to beat them on offense is high, low. And that's what made 
those like John Brandon teams so successful is you had a quarterback that you could put in the middle of the D of the offense drew would work the offensive triangle, you know, block, block, uh, uh, free throw line and just kind of work that triangle and get the ball in the middle and everything would collapse when he got the ball in the middle because he's drew freaking McDonald and like, you got to respect him. So he's either going to draw three, four guys, or he's going to hit that shot in your face. But like, he was so good at making the right decision. But I mean, I said a couple of weeks ago by his senior year, he was, it seemed like we were running 50% of our offensive plays through him. And one of the things that made us so successful at busting down zones back then was we had drew in the triangle spot. And then you'd have either vote, or uh, Trayvon Faulkner kind of work in that baseline area. And they were both, for different reasons, so effective down there in, that, in those spots. But ultimately, getting the ball inside, and then it would open everything up for Drew to either go inside out for three, which is the best possible way you could shoot a three, is inside out, because you're wide open with the defense co closing out on you, catch it in rhythm, hit it, or drop, you know, drop it, dump it down to the baseline for a cutter. So... Um, but hey, you know what, guys? I don't want to. I mean, I don't know if you have any other points you want to make. Please go for it. But uh, on the game specifically. But if you don't, I'd love to move on and kind of just talk about the season as a whole. I, I do have just one last kind of one final thought on the game itself. Um, if you look through, you know, if you look through the body of the game and try to pick out little things that had a big effect, uh, Mark made a good point about. Uh, you know, about Adrian being hobbled. He was out there, but he wasn't operating on all cylinders. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think if you really wanted to, I really honestly feel like you could run a good part of the offense through him. Not like we did Drew, but, you know, because Drew could range out so much further. But I think that Adrian has that kind of potential to be a scorer down low, more than an eight to 10 point, you know, a game score. But one problem I think we faced is, you know, Adrian had to play 32 minutes because we didn't have a lot of options behind him. Hoopman almost fouled out in eight minutes of gameplay. So, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of options down low. Bam would, would have been good to see Bam because we've seen him grab some nice rebounds. His playing time got cut after he played the way he did against Detroit. Yeah. His playing time got cut. Um, so, you know, he plays 15 minutes instead of 20, whatever minutes, 22 minutes that he played, you know, the game before. So we, we didn't have a lot of length to replace Nelson with and a lot of size, but, you know, hindsight being 2020, I'm sure maybe there are some changes we would have made because we pretty much cleared the bench and played everybody as if it were like a, um, you know, as if it were an out of conference early season game and we just wanted to see what everybody could do. So, um, that that's a I think a bigger factor than we're giving it credit for the fact that we didn't really have because look what look what Aladapa did I mean the dude terrorized us down low and part of that's either you know when Adrian wasn't in or when he was in but just couldn't body up the way he normally would on a normal night where he's completely healthy but that that was all I had to say that was yeah sweet uh so I don't know what let's I guess let's go with the same question. Um, I, it's kind of a difficult task here, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, describe the season in one the season now in one word, and let's talk about why. Uh, let's start with Larry this time. 
as hard as it as hard as it is to say this after talking about a loss, I would say gratifying because you know even though we didn't make it all the way to the final in our own conference, we still you know we still finished with a winning record. I mean, you can say that we have X amount of seasons in a row without a losing record, so that's still intact, right? Um, we we got a ton of quality experience at literally no expense of eligibility for a lot of players. Um, we know what we have coming in next season already in terms of incoming freshmen, and we know for a fact that Horn is going to be uh, scouring the uh, you know the trans the transfer wire as well as the uh, you know the graduate um, you know graduate player wire whatever that's called. Um, we know it's just all called the transfer portal. It's all the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we know, and I'm just, um, assuming here, we know that whoever we do lose, we know that we're losing them for a good reason, whether it be our reason or their reason, uh, everything's going to work itself out, whether it be because we, you know, didn't have an opportunity for them that they thought they had here, or they have a better opportunity elsewhere. Either way, somebody's going to win there. Right. Um, I, you know, it's, I guess you just catch me at a good time talking about the season because, uh, it was, it was a fun season because it was such, you know, we're never going to go through knock on wood. We're never going to go through another bizarre season. Like we did this year. It, it, I mean, obviously as, as old as me and Michael are, we've never seen anything like this. Um, and I don't think we ever will, you know, ever again. So if anything, we can go back, you know, in years from now, talk about this season, in, in a completely different light than any other athletic season we've ever seen. So in that regard, it's, it's a unique time to be alive and a unique time to be watching college athletics because, uh, you know, we can say that we, we saw some things that we never thought we'd see. But the fact that all these players have a chance to come back, the fact that they all have eligibility, and the fact that uh, we, we won more than we lost, it, it's, it's really hard to be negative about that at this point. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Mike? My one word would be um, would be blessing. I think it was a blessing this year, and I think to build upon what Larry ended with, I think it was a blessing that we were able to have a season. I think going into the fall, with how everything was was going, you know, from the college fo football aspect, I think we were all kind of wondering how's basketball going to manage. You know, it's an indoor sport, and you've got small gymnasium, you've got all these different factors you know, playing against you with the whole COVID um, virus. And the fact that NKU was able to not only play, but I think only miss one, one what, weekend series because of, um, of COVID, I think, or correct me wrong, was it two guys? Or I think it was just the one against... Um, it was the Oakland one, wasn't it? That's what I thought. I thought it was just the Oakland one. But Jim, yeah, in, one, co in conference, but obviously... Right. We yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think just to miss one of those and, and to make it through an entire season, you know, I thought was was a definite positive. But I think, you know, blessing from the standpoint, I mean, let's be honest, guys, we got to see, you know, Marquez Warwick, who, you know, proved that, you know, he's just an outstanding freshman. I mean, winning freshman of the year, getting to see that young man uh, just put on a show night in and night out. And uh, just when we thought that we had seen everything from him, he'd followed up with a, with another good game. Um, you know, I think we're going to see good things down the line from Trey Robinson. I know maybe that wasn't the best year for him that he was anticipating, but I think 
you know, what these guys missed out on in the preseason with weight training and team, uh, team, at, team building activities and things of that nature. I, I think once they're able to resume those, hopefully this summer and before the season starts up again next season, I think you're going to see a lot of difference in those guys um, because let's be honest, those freshman guys that were coming in, you know, outside of maybe some early on pickup games, there wasn't that team building activity that most teams get where, you know, they're working out together, they're scrimmaging together, you know, they're, they're doing those different types of things. It was kind of like, Hey, when the balls were thrown out, when practice was starting, it was from there forward and, you know, give horn credit to, to basically meld that group together, um, you know, and, and take the, the freshmen and intertwine them with what we had coming back. You know, I, 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 I'm happy. I was just happy that I could sit and watch college basketball, you know, each weekend and, and watch the Norse play and, um, because had I not had college basketball over the winter and everything, you know, God, it, it would have been miserable. So I, I think it was definitely a blessing the season as a whole. And uh, I'm hoping the adversity and, and what we went through, like Larry said, will never hopefully experience this again. It was a, a, a unique one, to say the least, that these guys are able to build upon the lessons and everything that they learned and what they went through. And it's only going to pay off for them in the long run. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, I'll take it in a different direction, though. I I think me, um, and it's a little bit different. Like, it's not, it's it's hard to have this perspective when you do like what we have been doing all year. Like, it we, we've been charged, you know, putting it on ourselves really, but we've been charged to create content, you know, about this team, and so it's it's forced us to stay engaged. And at a, at, you know, pretty deep level, as deep as we can be. Right. Um, but with that said, like, there's a couple times this year where I put out like those temperature check discussion boards and stuff, just because I was feeling like, where is everybody? And, you know, it, it doesn't feel like people are, it's just obviously r- remove the fact that we weren't in person. That's the obvious part. But aside from that, it didn't feel like a regular season. Like, you know, how the regular, how the, how a normal season works, you have half your games in conference or home half or away. And like for the home games, obviously you're seeing everybody, you're charged up, you're happy, you're pumped, whatever. Um, and then on the away games, we have generally speaking, a pretty robust game chat. Um, games are going a certain way. You know, we, the, the, the conversation usually shifts one way or the other, depending on if we win or we lose, if we lose, it's why aren't we making adjustments? If we win, it's, uh, we're the best team ever and nobody can beat us and yeah, all that kind of stuff. It just didn't feel like we had that a lot this year. And I, I didn't, I found myself getting frustrated a lot, but it wasn't until I put out some of those discussion boards and started talking to other people, like specifically about what they're feeling this year, that it kind of helped me settle on like what my word for the year would be. And that word was lo- is lonely. Um, it, it wasn't a normal year. And I think a lot of people felt that, um, I, I got, we got comments all the time. A lot of my tweets were responded to with, I just wish we could be there. I just wish we could be there. It sucks to not be there. And I mean, look, without getting into the, you know, nuance of like how people personally feel about the pandemic and like their level of like willing to risk it and stuff like that. I think most of us, regardless of how serious you take it, 
I think most of us can all agree that the part that probably hurt the worst was that having only 14, 1500 season ticket holders and a 9,400 seat arena, I think we all felt like maybe NKU could have made it work had the league said, okay, guys, you guys can have limited seating at your games. But the fact that the league made that decision and it wasn't even up to NKU to make that, it just, I think that part partially hurt even worse for a lot of people. And, and honestly for me too. Um, and so I just, with all that said though, it's like the greatest feeling ever is the fact that we get to just close. Like we get to remember the good parts of it. Like the Marquez Warwick, uh, 35 foot shots, the, you know, Trayvon Faulkner, um, getting fouled, knocked to the ground, hitting the shot and one, like we get to remember the Adrian Nelson alley-oop dunks. We get to remember all that good stuff, uh, and close the book on the, the bad. And so that's what I'm, I'm most excited to just go to a damn game next year. And like, there's no way, I mean, they already announced and KU already announced commencement in May is on like they're doing commencement in person. They haven't, I haven't seen any details about like if it's limited seating, how many people, whatever, but that's the first commencement in a year. I mean, they, they missed May. Uh, I'm not sure if they usually, Mike, you would know they have one in the summer usually, right? Uh, they do, do they'll they? do the, they'll do the spring and then they'll do one uh, for winter commencement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they, but they missed the one last May, they missed the one this December. And so this is the first commencement in a year. And so like, that's a huge, awesome, awesome sign that like we're on the right track. We're getting, we're going to get this back. And uh, so I'm, I'm ready to never ever again, have a season that feels like this, this lonely again. So, and it sucks because I didn't get the freaking uh, nudge people. I would normally nudge and try to get some info, um, which I think takes us into the next, uh, the next comp part of the conversation we want to have, which is, um, the future. Uh, and we'll talk about, I think the immediate future, obviously four years from now, we all expect Marquez Ward to be uh, player of the year in the entire uh, country. Uh, the Naismith winner, right. Or whatever it was. Is it Naismith or wooden? I don't know. Um, but, uh, and then obviously a first round draft pick in the NBA, stuff like that. But um, I'm just teasing, but uh, what do we, what do you guys think for next year? I know it's going to be really difficult to have this conversation, having very little information, even circumstantial, like we couldn't even watch body language on the bench this year. So like, it's going to be very difficult to have a robust conversation around this, but like, I guess we'll just ask it this way. What do you guys think this team is going to look like next year? Do you think we're pretty set the way we are or do you expect some movement? And if you do, do you feel confident enough to say this guy I could see maybe leaving or this guy I could see maybe leaving. Mike, we'll start with you. Um, I don't think we'll, I think the core of this year's team should stay intact, but I think we would be remiss to think that uh, we're going to see it completely intact. I think we're going to see some guys uh, heading out and to, to Larry's point for whatever reason, they had, whether it was just not a, a good uh, fit from the onset or playing time or whatever. Um, but I do believe that with all the craziness of the, the transfer portal that's going on right now, I think it's, if any year is a good year to leverage that and having the extra year of the eligibility granted to these athletes, I think this would be the year that coaches are going to leverage that like crazy to look for opportunities, not only 
from the uh, the the D1 level, but you know, great transfers, uh, JUCOs, and I think you, at least in my opinion, I think we're going to see Coach Horn leverage all three of those to to maybe replace those individuals that I see moving on. Um, but from a core standpoint, I think we're going to see, you know, our core return. And, you know, we all know we've got two excellent incoming freshmen coming in next year um, that are going to even add to the talent pool that we've got. So I think until we get to that point where the current group makes their decisions as to what their long-term or next steps are going to be, to your point, Kyle, it's going to be very difficult to kind of get a very firm gauge on what we're going to see next fall when, when this team, you know, reassembles and starts practicing together. But um, I, I think if you were to ask me early on, like you are right now, I think we are going to see some, some guys um, heading out. And I think we're going to most likely see some Juco or grad transfers or guys that are currently putting their names in the portals um, getting a, you know, a hard look at, and who knows, maybe ending up here. Yeah. Uh, Larry, again, I know that you might not, you probably don't have solid firm information, but did you have any kind of thoughts on, you know, if Larry Weichel found a genie bottle on the beach, what does the team look like next year? Uh, I think, I think we're going to possibly see a little more movement than, than, uh, I don't know. I think we're going to see some movement, some outward movement. Um, I don't know exactly who, but I mean, if you look at body language, playing time, the rumor mill, I mean, I, I think there are some players that may have played less this season than last season. Uh, some players that maybe didn't live up to their reputation coming in that, that might be better served to start over somewhere else without losing a year of eligibility. Um, I could see us if I had to throw a number at it. Now, you know, I, I won't name name names, but I could foresee us potentially losing three players on the active roster right now. Um, and that's okay. That's okay because I honestly think if if these three players do move on, they're probably moving on to a place where they might be able to realize their potential a little better. Um, I'm really thrilled about the two high school uh, seniors coming in. Uh, Sam Vinson, who, I mean, if you've been sleeping under a rock for the past year, local boy, about 24 points a game, top 25 in scoring in the state of Kentucky. He yeah, can Tim, do liter Tim, Tim's already, Tim Taylor is already calling freshman of the year, by the way. For next already, year? Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard, but, um, they've are, Tim Taylor has already officially declared in our comment section that he is, he is the freshman of the year. Um, for next year. So I don't know if Tim's reporting that as a fact, but I'm going with it. I'll take He's, it. I'll take from it. From what I've seen from that young man, it's it's very, very possible. So yeah. I'm gonna so let's put an asterisk next to that. Tim, we're gonna we'll we'll actually we're gonna we're gonna just put uh Tim on a pedestal if he calls this one correct. But <laughs> I don't think he'd be too far off by getting it right because from what I've seen of Mr. Vincent, he's the real deal. Well, if, if we lose two or three of the players that I'm thinking of, that probably opens up immediate minutes for a player like Benson because uh, Benson, I, I know, um, is probably going to look at more of a wing role here, I would assume, even though he's technically, I think, a guard. I think he would come in as a wing. Um, 
looking at his, he was so highly recruited toward the tail end of his high school career. I think, I think he, uh, I, I know he's the all-time leader in scoring at Highlands, which says a lot. I mean, that's a really big, long-standing athletic institution. So that alone says a lot. But um, you know, the the fact that he can do everything well, I don't see a ton of weaknesses in this game. Just like any high school fret or high school senior, you would like to see them gain some quality weight before they come in, you know, come to the college campus. But, uh, and you'd like to see that happen before they reach the campus. I think last season with COVID and everything, it was hard to, it was, the recruiting was weird. The transferring was weird. Getting players built up before they got on campus was weird because of all the things going on. But uh, I think he has a legitimate chance to really uh, turn himself into a real physical specimen before he even gets here. Cause he's already a very impressive kid. Um, Isaiah Mason's the other guy coming in from Bowling Green. And uh, I haven't, you know, I read about how he was having a really good year, but couldn't find a ton of statistics on him. But the one thing I did find earlier today was that this season, keep in mind, this guy also a wing shot 62% from the field this season. You would expect that from like a post player who's shooting everything from within eight feet of the basket. But, uh, but yeah, th- this kid shoots from all over the court and shot at 62% this season. So to me, that's kind of insane. And my understanding is he's got a lot of athletic ability to spare. So it'll be fun to see what he can do. Um, but I could see him and Sam come in and have a fairly immediate impact. I think a lot of that's going to have to do with uh, Trey's development. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with whether a few players decide to stay or go. But, um, you know, all things being equal, I think both of those young men have a chance to come in and be competitive on day one if they just take care of business, which I I see no reason why they wouldn't. So, Yeah, I uh, it's so weird because like this this time last year I was so confident like I I could come out I did come out for many of them and and said okay guys Trey Cobbs is transferring I didn't know where I didn't know when whatever but I just I knew I was told and I knew I trusted it uh, same with Jalen Tate like you could put together the context clues and figure things out on your own and say that like yeah it's, he's probably going to transfer but like I was able to you know step on some toes, not step on some toes, but, you know, put some pressure on people, right, last year and ask questions. And even if I don't get a straight answer, I can read the, I can read the answer in their voice, right? Stuff like that. You don't, I didn't get any of that this year. So I'm not, it's going to be really hard for me to speculate. And on the, on the other side, like, I mean, as much as we like to think that we operate in this little bubble, these guys do see what we say. So I, I don't want to be the one to push a guy out the door. Um, I'll be, I I have no problem, you know, being honest about how they're performing in some cases, but uh, didn't during the season, but I don't want to be the reason someone transfers or even add on to that. So I, I don't want to say any names, but I agree with Larry. I think that there's nobody, I'll say this right now, like based on the level of information I don't have and based on how crazy I expect this season to be, how crazy we've already seen the portal um, Tim mentioned Quisenberry transferring. I mean, Quisenberry's out from Youngstown State. Amari Davis from Green Bay transferred. Um, he's already picked, or no, sorry, he he did transfer, but he hasn't picked a team. PJ Pipes grad transferred from Green Bay. Um, I mean, there's there's more that I'm probably not thinking of right now. Uh, Tevion Kirk from UIC transferring. So like, it, it's gonna come. There's gonna be somebody. 
and I don't think anybody's off limits. You got Marquez Warwick. I hate to say this, but Marquez Warwick, freshman of the year, has four years of eligibility left. You don't think there's teams that would be interested in having him. You're crazy. Granted, I think we all agree that he's going to stay, or at least we hope he does, and we think he might for probably the same reason we all think. Right. But, like, we don't. We just don't know is what I'm trying to say. We just don't know. We don't know these guys' situations if any of them are getting like a breath of possibility to play overseas, we don't know. Like if they have a family to feed, like maybe they're going to go. So I don't, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that I have confidence in uh, Tim's pick. So I'm Good, you wrote it down. There we go. It's in pin. So there it's you go, in, Tim. Oh, even better. It's in pin. I couldn't grab a Sharpie cause I'd have to go off camera, but it's in pin. So that's for you, Tim. Um, but yeah, I, I think the one thing I would like to say is right now, if everything stays static as it is, um, we have 13 players under scholarship coming in the next year. So that's it. That's, that's all we have. And that means we are counting on Adrian, Bam, uh, Hoopman, uh, maybe, maybe Trey a little bit inside on defense. I'm thinking defense more specifically here, yeah. but that's our inside line. And like, Look, I'm going to be honest. It's a little scary. I don't feel terrible about it, but I also don't feel like I'm not going to bet the house on that to hold down the fort. I would love to see us go out. And I think a lot of people agree with this. Would love to see us go out and get a highly rated Juco big or a, um, you know, a, a transfer, a guy, a big who's looking to transfer. Um, I don't necessarily think, I think it's a little late in the game for us to go out and hardcore recruit 2021 freshmen because we need someone like we want to compete. You know, we need someone who's going to be ready to come in right now. And as you guys know, bigs are the hardest guys to get in and get ready to play immediately. So, and uh, loud and love ain't walking through that door. So um, I'm just kidding. That was bad. Too bad. This is a live show. I can't cut that. What what was that? (laughs) That was the, it was my fake Rick Patino. I don't know. Oh, Gotcha. You remember that? You guys remember that? You guys are old. You guys are old geezers and had had TVs yeah. with VCRs, wow. right? No, I'm just wow. kidding. I remember that. Uh, I'm just Kevin McHale ain't walking through that door. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I I, I don't know. I it, it's hard to speculate, man. It's it sounds crazy because we were the last two three years. Like I you know I guess I'll I guess I'll be honest about it now finally because you're on the team. But Mike was one of my inside sources, man. Mike was my guy. He had, he had my back. Uh, it was a secondary source. He was getting his info and then he'd give it to me and I'd float it out, but we don't have that this year. So we'll, we'll get it next year, hopefully. But um, we're down to hear y'all's ideas. If you guys, if there's any bigs out there you like or any guards out there you guys like, shoot them over. I've been getting blown up by Valhalla Vanguard on, uh, on Twitter um, in the DMS about all the guys, they, not all the guys, but they've been sending, they've been sending me some opinions on who they'd like to see transfer, um, who they'd like to see come, you know, us target with those open, presumably to be soon to be open spots. Uh, so feel free guys, reach out, reach out to all of us. Um, Larry and Mike are admins on Facebook. I'm out there on Twitter as well. So Mike's on Twitter, hit us up. It's so tough. What you think? It's so tough out there because, I mean, we all have access to roughly the same information about D1 players that want to transfer in or out or whatever. 
But between, I mean, the amount of JUCO players out there that are playing JUCO for one reason or another, whether it be academics or health or whatever, there are so many JUCO players out there that like, who on earth heard of Bryson Langdon before we landed him? I mean, uh, can I, can I, can I give you an amazing, amazing stat? Yeah. On behalf of Juco Advocate, it's a Facebook, it's a Twitter profile. They actually follow us on Twitter. They've tweeted at us before. Nice. Four out of five of the All Horizon League tournament team was Juco products. No kidding. Nice. I nice. swear to God, only only um, Trayvon Faulkner wasn't. Wow. And you can make the argument, you can make the argument that if it depends on what you're looking at, like how, like why Trayvon made it, probably was. Because if you looked at full body of work for the full scope of the tournament, you could make the argument that DeAndre Golston should have been in there. And if he was in there over Trayvon, that's five out of five. So anyway, that's it. Don't sleep on Juco, I guess, is what, especially at this oh, level. Totally, Hell, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that have been written off out there. I mean, even guys that maybe had a, had a you know, three-star rating or whatever a year or two ago, or they're out there. You just have to find a, a program willing to take a risk. I mean, because sometimes that's what a Juco player is, whether we like to admit it or not. And I don't mean it in a, uh, in a negative way, but they, they tend to come with one piece of baggage or another. And a lot of times it's grades. A lot of times it's, you know, something happened that they couldn't enroll in a university or whatever. Uh, but th- they're a calculated risk. But one thing they do generally bring to you on day one is some semblance of college basketball experience. And, it's really hard to overlook that. I mean, you get a player like a, you know, with, with the, uh, with the pedigree of like a, you know, Carlos Hines came in and was like one of the better players and what the big, was it the big sky? Is that where he came from? Um, I know he wasn't uh, a Juco well, player. Well, was, was, yeah. Was Hines, was Hines from the same school that Harris yeah. was from? Yeah. He was from Carl. Northern. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um. You know, so, so he, he was out there just waiting to find a team. And, you know, and he was good at Northern Arizona. He was a starter. He was a, a good, good player at Northern Arizona. Um, but, I mean, there's there's players out there, man. Uh, Harding. Harding was a top 80 Juco recruit before he came to us. Uh, not sure what he's going to bring to us yet. We're still, I think, I think the verdict is still out there. But, um, I mean, we've been bringing in guys that have, potential or at least have a little bit of a resume to show that they could be really productive here but if we can find like you said if we can find that big man give us a 6'9 6'10 230 guy that can you know shoot has a little medium range shot and can box out (laughs) that would not hurt well hey if we got if we got Hoopman on some chocolate malts and cheeseburgers over the summer we can get him to those dimensions Larry we can get him to 611, 235, 250, somewhere in there. Well, I no, joke. listen. I joke. Listen. I joke. A lot of cheeseburgers, though. <laughs> listen, <laughs> if we can get, and this is going to be a dated joke here, so stay with me, okay? Because it don't do it in Patino's voice. No, I won't. I won't. I won't. This would have been a great joke 365 days ago, but if we can get him on the Chris Vote, you know, workout plan, uh, I wouldn't be mad at that. Chris Vote put on a ton of weight and muscle. Going into yeah, it now, granted, he kind of sucks now, but uh, in fact, Tim Taylor makes a joke. We're uh, asking about bigs that we think we should go after. He says, Vote dot 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 lol. 
<laughs> and we know we know Tim we know Tim's been watching that close and personal. Um, yeah. So okay, Mark, I gotta say, like, and I think part of this, Mark, Mark, Mark just commented, guys. Um, Carson Williams, not a good year, but he's still balling for WKU. Had a nice game tonight against UTSA. Yes, he did. Look, I agree. I I think it's nostalgia. I don't want to sound crazy here. I would love nothing more. I thought I had the same thought today. I would take Silas back. Like I would literally take Silas back for next year in a freaking heartbeat. Do I think he's going to like be an all horizon league player? Absolutely not. But he's obviously improved his game down at ETSU. And um, I'll say it, I would take him back. Like, but players aren't going to come back. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Like, I don't know. I mean, who? You, I guess you never say never, but I don't see a LeBron James situation happening in college basketball. Uh, that's I don't know if that's ever happened, honestly. I would love I to. Know. We were talking about that the other day, weren't we? About how we, you know we were wondering if that had ever, you know, what the logistics are of that, or if that's even, you know, academically or institutionally possible to leave one program and then go back. <laughs> well, and like, and like, would that just open the door for? a years long NCAA investigation. <laughs> right. Like yeah. you left and then you came. That's kind of sketchy. You know, I don't know, but um, I will say this. I will say this about the, uh, the recruiting stuff. We normally have done as good of a job as we can to keep our recruiting tables up to date. We spent a lot of time on them last year. They're definitely not up to date right now. Um, it was just such a weird year. We got, we got off to a late start. My bad. Um, and we weren't really able to, uh, to get those going as quickly as we wanted to. But I will say that I had a guy, uh, you guys have probably already seen a video of me and him breaking down Sam uh, Vinson. But um, his name's Jacob Fox. He uh, is very passionate about recruiting and is very interested in helping us out with it. Um, it's not going to be as big of an endeavor as it was last year because we only have two confirmed offers um, for 2021, both commits. And then uh, I think we have one for 2022 uh, and uh, really no other movement at all. Like that has been reported because it's just been such a weird year, but to make up for, to kind of fill the gap, what Jake's been doing for me all season is he's sort of been multitasking and not only has he been kind of keeping up with Vincent and stuff like that, but he's also been looking at players just that are getting similar style offers to us, like guys that we normally recruit against. So like if a guy gets an offer from, uh, Akron, Jake's sending them to me. And we're kind of keeping our eyes out at like how these other schools, like the teams in the MAC, A10, uh, OVC, MVC, how they're recruiting, and even the American stuff like that. And he's sending me these guys, and we're just kind of keeping an eye on them. We're going to be building out what we're calling a wish, a wish list. Um, it's going to be probably, and you guys, this is the first year hearing about it, but you guys are more than welcome to be a part of it as well. In fact, fans, if you guys know of any players that that uh, that are out there going in the transfer portal or still freshmen or or you know incoming freshmen, anything like that, and you're like, man, the Norse have got to look at this guy. Send them our way. We'll make it a collaborative effort. We'll slap your name on their recruiting profile. I don't care. Um, let's have fun with it. That's kind of what we got to do this year. So we'll be on the lookout for that. We're also going to do a little thing where we're going to track the Horizon League transfer portal we're way behind on it already. I didn't expect it to be this active this quick, but uh, it's just going to be a tracker talking about um, who all's leaving from the horizon league. Uh, and we're going to be also keeping tabs on um, 
recruiting efforts throughout the Horizon League. So like how how many offers does, does Detroit Mercy have out? What do their players look like that they have coming in? We want to centralize all of that on the Norse Report website, which it will be. And we're also going to be kind of keeping it separate from our Twitter presence. We don't want to really mix uh, efforts there. So we have created a new Twitter account called Gold Chips Recruiting, Gold or Gold Chip Recruiting. So kind of like if you ever heard like a blue chip recruit, um, that's that's what that the idea was there. Um, we wanted to try to keep it somewhat neutral uh, of a brand because we want it to have appeal outside of Norse Report, but we also wanted it selfishly to link all back to the Norse Report site, whatever, because some of our most viewed pages we've ever created have been recruiting profiles for players that we didn't even sign. We had a guy named Jaden Smith we offered last year or two years ago or something like that. And uh, he got uh, signed by Iowa State, the Cyclones. And I looked at the metrics on his page and it was like 850 views because it was shared to a pro board for Iowa State. So, um, yeah, so be on the lookout for all that stuff. Tim, I know the transfer portal is going to consume all my time, but did you not hear? I have an intern helping out with that now. So it's going to consume all of his time. It's going to ruin his relationships. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, another one other quick question Tim's asking. I, I want to shed some light on this real quick. He, he's asking, is there other or is there recruiting stuff going on, i.e. offers that we aren't aware of because of lack of in-person discussions? That's a really good question. Yes, there is a lot of it. In fact, the biggest thing is, and I actually know this because I was, I took a pretty strong interest in Kelly Neese uh, a couple months ago or a month ago and was asking about him. This kid has not one division one offer. He's out there dropping 35, 40 points a game. Now, granted, I, I can't speak to if it's a, you know, obviously there's like good, really good high school players and maybe their game doesn't translate to division one or something like that. I don't want to speak to all that because I haven't seen them in person. I really haven't gotten a chance to scout them out or anything like that. And also I'm not a D one coach, but, um, but the information I got for why he hasn't really heard much and why he hasn't even gotten a D two offer is because they, it's going to be a major chain reaction. There's so much up in the air that team, these coaches don't know what players are coming back in terms of like choosing to utilize that extra year. We don't know. We don't know, for instance, if Adam Alita is going to step away or if he's going to say, no, nah, I want to come back. Right. And so these coaches know nothing. And so it's, it bottlenecks everything. And it kind of sucks because like I was on the, on the one hand, I was so excited for players to get an extra year of eligibility but I didn't even think about the fact that it, somebody was going to have to pay for that. And it turns out it's this 2021 class and you're seeing the message be, being put out by a ton of AAU coaches that we follow saying, basically you guys need to accept any offer you get right now. Like don't wait out for the division one teams because they may never come. Like even if let's say half the players utilize that extra year of eligibility, that's, half the available scholarships now available because the NCAA didn't add scholarships, which would have made sense if they would have just said every team now gets two extra scholarships too, that you could bring two extra guys on and redshirt them, stuff like that. But yeah, it, it sucks. So Tim, I do know that there are heavy restrictions in place right now of like what you can do with recruiting, but I, I expect, I expect that as the pan, as the um, vaccine rolls out, everything like that, 
I think that's all going to change. I think right now it's not so much restrictions, but it's more they just need to have these final team meetings for the year and figure out what where players are at, figure out what they have, what they don't, and then they'll move forward. Yeah, Kyle, I, I, I totally agree. And I think I would echo the same thing back to Tim is, you know, I think that's why you're seeing, especially mid-majors like NKU, that you're probably your recruiting classes in that two to three range player, you know, that you're bringing in just for that reason right now, um, because there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of who's going to stay and who's going to leave or who's going to transfer out. Unless you're, you know, one of the big high profile schools, you know, like a Kansas, a Kentucky, a Carolina, where you're, you know, you're on a different playing field or level in terms of recruiting, you know, you're going to be get, you're going to have a lot more guys in the funnel coming in. But I do think to your point, Kyle, in that May, June timeframe, um, you're going to see a lot of movement. There might be a lot of late spring signees where, uh, you know, to, to use your analogy, it's going to, you know, going to be like a domino effect to where once one goes, everybody's going to want in on the action and you're going to start seeing maybe a couple additions to teams. Now, I don't know if that, um, you know, parlays into NKU's um, situation or if, you know, we're going to pretty much be set once we've got, you know, those guys that leave or maybe any other, inroads that Horn has made through the, the JUCO ranks or the transfer ranks. But um, yeah, I, I do think there's some behind the scenes that we're obviously not made uh, or made or privy to rather. And uh, I think you'll see those pop up. I would say the latter part of April, May and into early June when these things start to kind of weed themselves out. But um, yeah, right now it's just, everybody's kind of deciding what their next step is and, you know, if they're going to stick around and let's be honest, guys, I think a lot of them will, you know, a lot of these guys make their decisions after having the opportunity to sit down with their families and given the situations that a lot of these guys are in, you know, are, are they able to do that over a zoom call? Do they want to do it as, in, as an in-person type of discussion, things like that. So um, again, Kyle, like you said, once these vaccinations ramp up and people are able to kind of get back to some normalcy, then, you know, hopefully we'll start seeing some some movement. So that's, that's exactly what, I, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I didn't even, I didn't even make that point is yeah. I think like kids at this level, if they're leaving school early to go play ball, which some of them are trying to, yeah, they might float their name out there and put it in the NBA draft discussion, but like for the most part, they're going overseas, right. They're going to go to Europe, whatever. Um, you know, unless you're Kendrick Nunn, no one's landed on an NBA team uh, in a while from the horizon league. So but you have all these travel restrictions in play in place. Um, and I know that they can get them waived and stuff like that. I know players have gone, uh, I believe Jordan Blunt from UIC went and played overseas. Granted, he's a, not an American um, citizen, but there are situations where you can go travel for your job and stuff like that. But like, I, that's going to make it more difficult, I think. And so we'll just, I, I mean, I hate to say this guys, but, and I promise it won't be like this ever again, unless another COVID-19 happens, God forbid, but like, we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, and I promise you, I promise you, we're going to react to it as quickly as we can. Um, and if it's something big, we may even hop on here and do a live thing again. Like, let's just hope it's nothing that big though. So anyway, guys, um, uh, we went a little bit longer than I thought, which is 
pretty much par for the course, but uh, yes. I, th- I think it was a good season sign off. We didn't really get into a lot of the details maybe that we would have offline of, of uh, who and what we see moving around, but I think it's for the best. We'll let people make their own assumptions, make their own guesses. Guys, like I've said before, write us, send us a DM on Twitter, tweet at us. Um, send us a message on Facebook on the Norse report Facebook page or to either one of the three of us. We'd love to talk to you guys about what you, what your thoughts are, what your questions are, what, what you'd like to see the team do, um, et cetera. So don't, don't be shy guys. Any final, final thoughts as we close out season one of last call. I, you know, I'll, I just kind of, my last parting words, I guess, is how first off and want to thank you for, for bringing me aboard. It's been just an absolute blast working with you and Larry this year and, um, you know, just kind of talking sports, which is something I love to do. So um, I've loved my time, you know, this year doing it, looking forward to what we have in store and what we've been planning. And um, yeah, just looking forward to next year. Um, I I think the, uh, I think what we've got coming back across the board is, is positive. What we've got, coming in is even more positive and um, I'm excited uh, not to, not to wish away the spring and summer, but I can't wait for fall to get here and for basketball practice to start up again. Sweet. Larry, I think you wrote something down. Not to, <laughs> what is it? Oh, it's his asterisk. Oh yes. Love it. Love hey, it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump down a really quick, shallow rabbit hole. All right. Okay. Okay. That's how I'm going to close this out. It's not about basketball because uh, I think we've said just about everything there is to say about this season at this point. Uh, how many, Kyle, how many people are on right now? Uh, nine. Nine okay. right now. We've had people jumping in and out. Okay, that's cool. Um, so basketball season's over, right? You know, Now we're, we're going to start moving on in the offseason, and that's cool. We'll follow that. But let me talk about just for like one minute, about the other things going on right now as we speak. Women's volleyball, eight and three, and they've won the last five by a score of 15 to one. They've dropped one single game in the last five matches, which is literally insane in volleyball. One game. So they're eight and three. Women's soccer is three, one, yeah, one. Hey, Larry, Larry, real quick, real quick, real quick. For the people, like 30 seconds, for the people who don't understand volleyball, it's played in ma- the matches or multiple games. Right. So tell, tell people real quick, like what that consists of and like why that's such a big deal. So, so generally about. in a, in a volleyball match, you're going to play three games with the, uh, three sets within a match. And uh, you know, you play up to 25 first team to 25 wins. You got to win by two. Um, if you go beyond those three matches, then you can go into fourth and fifth sets, but those are whole different stories. In order to to win fifteen out of you know fifteen sets, you're it means you're literally shutting out every opponent you play, and that's unusual to go a whole match, three games in one match against another Division One college and not concede a single game is is ridiculous. It's it's actually funny to think about. It, it means that the other teams have almost no chance of winning against NKU, which is really cool. And the reason that's really cool is because we're in conference play right now and just smearing people. So I love it. 
I, I've always been, and you know, I've written, you know, I wrote a lot of articles about volleyball last season, really enjoyed it. And anybody who read my work can, can probably tell that, that I really have a lot of respect for that sport and that, you know, our program. Uh, so eight and three yeah. volleyball, women's soccer, three, one and one men's soccer, four and one men's tennis undefeated at four and oh, women's tennis, three and two. So we've got one, two, three, we've got five active programs playing every week right now that are all winning softball and baseball historically, since we went division one has been really, really rough. Uh, that's been a really tough <laughs> two sports that are really tough to crack as far as being competitive, but to see all these different programs flourish the way they have and the way they are right now amongst all the weird things that we've had to deal with, you know, this, this past year, I just think it's really cool. And I hope that anybody listening will consider, even if you jump on nkunorris.com and pull up each team and get familiar with the roster or look at the schedule, learn a little bit about these sports because these guys and girls are training just as hard as the basketball players and, and doing a lot of good things for our uh, university right now. Yeah. The baseball and softball teams actually come back home this weekend. They've been on the road for their first couple series. So they start their home games this weekend. So hopefully a little bit of home cooking will, to your point, Larry, turn the tide on, on some of those early season losses that they've been experiencing. And, and one more thing that I'll add, I think we all three will be in full agreement of this guys is, you know, I think we would be remiss to, to not make a mention of, uh, of the women's team, um, you know, given everything that they yeah. went through, you know, what was it close to 50 something days due to, um, you know, being happened to be in isolation due to the COVID tracing and for them to start out as hot as they did in the conference. And then I just think due to lack of numbers and injuries and things, you know, uh, it, it just kind of did them in towards the end of the season. But um, the future is bright for those young ladies as well. Um, I know Coach Whitaker's got a heck of a recruiting class coming in in the fall also um, with some, uh, some really good uh, high profile athletes. Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, and I think I heard her say on one of the early season coaches shows when they were talking about recruits, but does she have a five-star coming in this year? Somewhere from Wisconsin, maybe? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I don't I don't know. I, I thought she said that, but I could be wrong, but I thought she said that she was being looked at by the likes of like Marquette and Wisconsin and some of those bigger D1 schools up there. And if I do remember, I thought she said she was a five-star, but yeah. nonetheless, she's, she's, she's got some good talent coming in uh, to mold with what we've got. And, you know, Allie Neese was out for a good portion of the last couple months of the season, which I'm a firm believer if she's in the lineup, you know, going down the stretch that the way that that season ended was completely different than what it did. Um, yeah. So I, I certainly don't want to, you know, end the show for the year without making a good mention of those young ladies. Cause you know, given all the obstacles that they were up against during their season, um, I, I think they did a well of a job and, and the future's bright for those guys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Historically, this team has not been good when Allie Nice gets hurt. Um, she was hurt last year, started off the season. This team started off the season 0-4. She um, when the, I mean, team was technically number one in the conference when she got hurt this year and they their season just went downhill since but yeah guys dude that was huge thank you so much i apologize that i didn't even think to bring it up but i really appreciate you guys taking a second to mention all of that um and it looks like i'm not the only one 
um <laughs> we got a we got a hands up like hallelujah emoji from uh from Mimi Steins, the women's goalkeeper. So oh, cool. All she, nice. she, I think she she appreciates us uh us us covering this as well. So um cool. yeah, we're uh I'll speak to the volleyball real quick, Larry. Very quick, very quick. Um Liz Hart is a hell of a coach. She's awesome. And she's been doing this since we were in the A Sun. Like we've we've been dominant under her. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember what exactly it was because uh, I don't have the. I, I it's been a while since I looked at it, but I, I think we wrote in one of our articles last year, Larry, that like they were at like nine out of ten of their last seasons were winning seasons, or it was something like that. And um, yeah, for those of you who haven't done it, I really do encourage you go to uh, go go, uh, go to NorthReport.com, click on the volleyball drop down, and it's been a while since we've gotten to write about them because this season's been stupid insane and we haven't gotten a chance to go to any of the games but take a look at the the article larry wrote last year after the uh the tournament that we hosted um larry i think took his daughter to the game and it was a just i would say objectively it was probably one of the five best articles on the site last year so oh. i would 100 percent go take a look at that um it's really good it's the gripping emotional story of a father and his daughter. Um, so, anyway. Hey, and yeah. keep in mind guys that these volleyball games, and I believe the soccer games as well. Um, if, if you all out there in Norse nation have access to ESPN plus, I know the volleyball games are on ESPN plus a lot. So if you haven't been able to catch them, I highly suggest you do. And I do believe that the, the men's and women's soccer teams have been on ESPN plus as well. So, um, I'm pretty sure do, pretty much everything's on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, so if you have that stream, look it up um, because you can have an opportunity to see those teams play uh, for the remainder of their seasons and everything. And to Larry's point, they're all killing it out there. So, um, you know, even if you're just supporting from on your couch, it, it, it beats nothing. Yeah, uh, okay. So before – well, let me ask real quick because I want to make this the last thing. Um, you guys good? Any additional final, final, final thoughts? I'm good. My mouth's dry. I got to go. Dude, same. <laughs> I, I ran out of water too. Um, all right. So uh, I just want to read the last few comments that we got from people uh, as we yeah. as we sign off here. Uh, Mike Horline, uh, my Section 110 bud, said, uh, I think some big program like a Kentucky might even have some guys that didn't see playing time this year enter the portal. And while they might not be NKU targets, there might be guys at other schools looking for a change of scenery. He's hundred percent, right? I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I want to just finish out with, with these people's comments, but uh, that's something we got to pay attention to as well as the chain reaction effect. Uh, if a guy from Kentucky leaves and, you know, goes to another school, maybe a guy from that other school leaves, right? Because his role has now been taken up or whatever. And so the chain reaction can kind of play both ways. It can go, up and it can go down so um that that will be something to look out for and mike don't say they might not be an nku target if a guy from uk transfers i hope we're i hope we're talking to him um you never know dude we we wouldn't have got marquez warwick um if he didn't sign so early probably so uh you never know um my dad i gotta give my dad a shout out he said looking forward to next season in section 101 i didn't even know you were a season ticket holder dad what's up with that that's awesome (laughs) 
um I, he was a he was a like mini plan package guy last last time i th- talked cool. to him about it i thought i don't know i might be i might forget be forgetting uh tim just says thanks you're welcome tim uh mark mark Sutphin says thanks gents for the great show looking forward to the next year absolutely uh granville says appreciate you gentlemen let's keep it going and grow this program um jeff rabe rob rabe says thank thanks guys very good granville actually came back on and said next year we should we could pick a spot and do shows from that location just a thought granville yeah that's definitely something we want to do i would say though that the goal would be to get a little bit more concurrent viewers than nine um for a live show but i'm not i'm not i'm not uh crying over it i think this is this has been a lot of fun and we'll get we'll continue growing this uh and then yeah uh, my dad came in one more time and said, great show. Happy you're addressing all the sports programs, especially cross country. Um, so that's it guys. That's all we got. Um, just so North report fans know, we'll be, uh, we'll be circling up me, Larry, uh, Mike, Jake, and actually uh, Chris as well. Um, who you guys haven't heard a lot from this year. We'll all be circling up together uh, over the next couple of weeks, kind of coming up with a game plan for some spring and summer content. Uh, be on the lookout. If you're not already, go join the Norse Nation fan page, 100%. I will say that's the most important thing you can do, even more so than subscribing to the Norse Report weekly newsletter. And that's an unselfish thing for me to say because I really want people to subscribe to that newsletter. But um, go join that page because all you guys commenting about other sports and stuff like that, Mike does an amazing job, better than – any admin probably has ever done no offense to all the other admins out there. I'm including myself in that, by the way, uh, at keeping us up to date with like every sport. I don't know if Mike, you have like interns that are working under you, or if you just have notifications set for every single time the teams post, because you are always beating me to everything. So (laughs) you guys need to go like, and or not like, but go request to join that page, answer the three, dumb questions just say you're an nku fan and they'll let you in i'm sure and uh yeah just stay in touch keep keep up to date with all the stuff going on um all right guys an hour and 28 minutes and 25 seconds later we're gonna sign off on this thing right on all right thanks for being on guys